you had your differences about the kind of trunk, but you had guys, you know, everybody had that common bond. The way you get, you see the guys on the bikes with, you know, they, everybody's on two wheels. They wave at each other, this and that. Now, it's not that way in trucking, and I really don't know how to bring it back because you have so many different people for whom this is just a job. You know, it's not a li- it's not a livelihood. It's not an occupation. It's not a, a profession. It's just the way they make their money. This is Overdrive Radio. I'm Todd Dills, and those are the words of owner-operator Jim Bardsley. Caught my attention some months back with a post on Facebook about plans to ease his way out of the driver's seat with a deadline date at the end of this year. Plans have changed a little since then. In addition to his early 1990s P379, he's acquired an 80s model Ford LTL 9000, like the one he started in back around the time it was built. He's putting a good bit of work into the Ford, with plans to take its wheel, perhaps on a part-time basis as he works freight for a driver in his current ELD-exempt 379. He spent most of his career in the last decade or more with David Griffith trucking in Corbin, Kentucky. Barsley calls Griffith the older brother that the oldest of several siblings Barsley himself never had. In this week's edition of Overdrive Radio, Barsley in his mid-fifties runs through his calculus in the long wind-down towards some semblance of retirement after more than three decades hauling. Along the way, we'll hear his view on the rollout and substance of electronic logging devices, the story of a major recent history setback with his wife's tragic passing a couple years ago, and more on his wish for a trucking brotherhood virus to spread among owner-operators working the roads today. Right now, I'm just a one-truck operation. But you had recently been a small fleet, right? Yeah, and in fact, uh, it may expand to two trucks. I may put someone in this truck, and uh, I'll just be what we call a hobby trucker. (laughs) Just kind of uh, every now and again doing something, just kill the boredom. Are you, are you moving toward retirement? Is that what's going on here? Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I mean, I've been doing this since 1985. Okay. I, I actually started driving, uh, for a living in 1984. Uh, I was 18. I was going to college, uh, in Florida and needed a way to come up with some money. So I started driving a uh, record for a fella. And, uh, he liked the way that I could drive it and not tear the clutch out of it like everyone else. So <laughs> he asked me about if I had ever driven a dump truck. I said, well, no. Uh, two days later, I was driving a dump truck <laughs> and, um, you know, progressively got into slightly bigger vehicles until I was, uh, running our model Mac with a dump trailer behind it. And, uh, by then I had gotten my, uh, chauffeur's license. Uh, that was the, the fall of, uh, 1984, 85. I moved back to New York and, uh, went to work for a children's charity, but I was still driving nights and weekends. Cause when you're working for a charity, you know, you're not making big bucks, you know, that continued up there, just, you know, farm trucks, whatever I could. One of the other volunteers at this place was a retired driver 
named Ed Fisher. And uh, I started accompanying him on weekend runs down to New York City out of uh, from uh, Wallkill Meats in Walden, New York. Uh, eventually, I was driving the truck. And uh, <laughs> him and some other older guys, I mean, we're, we're talking in, in the mid-80s, these guys were in their 60s. Right. You know, these are the guys that stormed beaches in Normandy and, you know, Iwo Jima and places like that. You know, they, they came back after the war and said, you know, we, we learned how to drive in the army and, uh, you know, no one's trying to bomb us here. So may as well make a living at it. They're the ones that really taught me how to do what I do. You know, along with a lot of other things, you know. Yeah, I learned from the benefit of their wisdom. Trust me, it was, uh, you either learned or you didn't stick around long. And uh, so I learned. You know, they, they were a pretty good bunch of guys. They were they were hard guys. I mean, they, they didn't take a lot of excuses. You know, uh, they didn't want to hear, well, I'm tired, so I missed a shift. They didn't want to hear, you know, uh, I'm just having a hard time holding it in the lane or whatever. They, they, there were no excuses. You did your job or you didn't do it. Right. And, uh, you know, you learn to work through things under those circumstances, not, you know, let everything else around you have as big an effect, I guess, as people do now. Yeah. The way they, the way they taught me was when you got in that truck, you closed that door you closed everything else out. Nothing else mattered except what, you know, driving that machine, keeping the machinery in good shape. That was their number one priority. You know, was, you know, you drove according to your equipment. Uh, you know, you, you knew you, you checked your truck out ahead of time. You knew whether you had good tires or eh, maybe not the greatest, you know, you, you knew what your brakes were, you know, did they just do a brake job or, Maybe it was needing one, you know. You drove according to the equipment. You you drove according to the conditions, and then you drove according to how you felt. You know what what you felt was kind of like the bottom rung. You know, um, as long as you were able to get in the truck and do your job, that's that was their main thing. You know, drive according to the equipment. You know, I hear I hear a lot of people saying, you know, it's not just my job, it's my passion, and, you know, this and that. That's great. But if your passion is collecting butterflies, what kind of job are you going to have? <laughs> you know, I mean, honestly, you got to do something to put pay the rent and put food on the table. And, you know, in 86, I got married. And, you know, within a few months, there was going to be another mouth to feed. Uh, you know, she... We got married in November, and by February, it was like, uh-oh. So, yeah. you know, it, it, you have to make choices. You have to do what you got to do. And, yeah. you know, for the last, you know, now, now this is, what, 33 years? Yeah. You know, it's, it's getting pretty close to time for me to start thinking about wrapping it up. I had set the date as uh, December 31st of this year, 
what I may do is uh, I I just recently acquired a uh, '80s model LTL 9000, which is what I started driving. Oh, wow. And uh, we're gonna get it ready and get it all set up, and uh, that'll be my truck. And I'll have someone in this Peterbilt. Uh, I've already got a guy in mind. And, tell, me, uh, tell me about that Peterbilt. What's what's the year of it? So 1991, 379, it was built 12 of 90 uh, for the 1991 model year. Uh, it was actually a great uncle of mine that bought it new. Okay. Uh, I bought it from him in 98. And uh, I haven't owned it since. I mean, I've, it's been bought and sold a couple times. Uh, my buddy's son had it for a while. And then when he, uh, said a couple of years ago, he wanted to sell it. It's still mostly original. I mean, he, he put a big visor on it, big, you know, one of those big drop right. visors and some stuff like that. But it, it, the old girl still shines through, you know, and, uh, we had just rebuilt the engine not long ago. Because, uh, I mean, I work for the same outfit they do. And, you know, uh, in fact, I've been with them now since 2002. And uh, so you're at least on with them? Yeah. Well, I we've changed companies a few times. I, I tend to stick with that agency. He's, oh, okay, uh, he's okay. a great agent. Yes. Right. Gotcha. Uh, we, we were originally with uh, Ohio Transport. And then a couple, you know, it changed a couple times. We were with Cheetah, and they got bought by Gray White, so we switched out from them. And now we're with Tryon. We've been with Tryon for several years. In fact, it's been, I think, seven, seven or eight years. And uh, we we do pretty good with them. I mean, we have a pretty good operating uh, relationship with them. You know, we have our own customers. We have our own freight. Uh, they more or less just take a percentage. Uh, and we do our own thing. You know, they handle the safety, they handle the compliance and all that. I got you. So you're with, so th this is a, a group of, a group of owner operators with a, working with a freight agent. Yeah. Yeah. David Griffith trucking in Corbin, Kentucky. Uh, he's, uh, uh, he's a fourth generation driver. So, you know, he's, we, we've got a, pretty good idea how the industry works at this point at least i hope we do if we don't we we really need to get out and do something else before we get too far ahead of ourselves did you uh finish college down there in florida no i was making you know a, a grand twelve hundred dollars a week at you know 18 19 years old i was like screw this right. <laughs> who, need, who needs the paper yeah of course now i wish i had but yeah, I finished later. I I was going uh, for a journalism degree, and to okay. keep my grandfather happy, I was going for a law degree also, because he was actually the one paying the tuition, and I had to come up with the living expenses, books, etc. And at the time, I mean, tuition was you know like three hundred fifty bucks a semester. You know, it wasn't it wasn't like it is now. Uh, I did finish the law degree in two thousand six. After I got hurt, uh, came off the top of a load, 
I had six or eight months to kill and I finished it by correspondence course. Well, I'm sorry, online university these days. I still call it correspondence. Basically, I know enough to read a contract and know if I'm going to get hosed on it. There are a few times it's been like, I don't know, I'm not too happy with the way this is written out, you know. But uh, it kind of sets people back when they realize I can understand all that stuff. But, I mean, I never even studied for the bar, never even attempted the bar. I, I wouldn't want me as a lawyer. I mean... You you hire me to represent you for jaywalking, you might wind up in the electric chair. You had other trucks here uh, in recent memory, right? Well, we had a customer that needed uh, more trucks than we had. And uh, I had a friend of mine in mind that, you know, to bring on with us, he was leased with somebody else. And uh, it wound up he was in some pretty dire financial straits. And, uh, you know, he asked me what I'd be interested in taking over the payments on his truck, and I did. And then that turned into another truck, and, you know, yeah, I mean, it wasn't a bad thing. I got them all paid for, got the, you know, got all the trailers and everything paid for, and, uh, you know, we, we lasted a few years, but then, you know, once my wife started getting sick, it just, uh, it got to be a little too much. I, I just couldn't deal with everything. So, you know, when, when she died in, uh, 2016, I still had one other truck. Uh, I had sold the third one. I still had one other truck and trailer and, uh, I was driving a, the Volvo, my, buddy's son was, you know, on, on this Pete and, uh, you know, I'd already sold it and upgraded a little bit to something that was a little more comfortable, or at least in my mind was, that was a mistake. When she passed away, I just pretty much got rid of everything. And then six months later, here I am buying the Pete back and, you know, bought another trailer. And now, now, uh, a buddy of mine broke down and, uh, I've got his step deck and we were talking on the phone the other day and he's like, well, you know, if I can arrange for you to take over payments. So here we go again. <laughs> and you know, it, like I said, I had planned on retiring at the end of the year. I think what it's actually going to turn out to be is uh, I'll just be a part-time driver. You're, you're t- entirely ELD exempt at this point, it sounds like, right? Yeah, yeah, I am. Now, a lot of the a lot of the agency trucks aren't, and that's where I've been trying to work with them on that, with the problems they've been having. It, it kind of boggles my mind that they would put a system like that out there. And, you know, the, the, the famous quote I like to to go with is, well, you knew it was coming. You should have been prepared. Well, you know what? That works two ways. The FMCSA knew it was coming. The ELD makers knew it was coming. They should have been prepared too. You know, I mean, my buddy is a a scale master in Kentucky and some of his guys still haven't gotten trained 
They're still scheduling training courses for this. You know, you have to realize this thing is, it's an awesome fleet management tool. Right. You know, I'll, I'll give it that. I mean, we can pull up on a computer and see where everybody is first thing in the morning. The customers start calling saying, how far out is the truck? Okay, well, you know, we can see on the screen he's only 30 miles away. You know, and he's moved, so he's obviously on his way there. You know, I mean, it's great for things like that, okay? They're using a keep trucking. What David did was he, he went and bought. Now, every now and again, you'll hear me talk, call him my brother. That's because we've been friends for, you know, like 20 years. We look at each other like brothers. He's like the older brother. You know, I'm the, I'm the oldest one of my siblings, and he's like the older brother I never had that I could ask questions. You know? <laughs> and he really, those guys taught me the business part of trucking. You know, so I, I really, I stick with them for a lot of reasons, that being one of them. Uh, but, you know, he uh, he went and bought tablets and gave one to each driver to use instead of their phones. Yep. And uh, that way you have a dedicated device attached to the uh, Bluetooth connection. And, uh, I mean, yeah, there, there were... A lot of connectivity issues, not between the tablet and the device, but the device and whatever servers they access. Right. You know, because they, they work off a CDMA cell phone network as, as well as Wi-Fi. And sometimes, you know, anybody who's got Sprint can tell you about CDMA. <laughs> you know, it's the system they work off of. It's not exactly foolproof. It's not like the satellite systems like uh, the big guys use, yeah. you know, like Warner and all that. Uh, a lot of the comments I hear, you know, well, we've used them for 20 years. Well, yeah, big, and, and you've had satellite time for 20 years. Yeah. You know, start start paying that as a single owner operator. You know, the costs are, <laughs> it, it's, not, it's not cheap. But you do work with, um, you, you help. Uh, David out with uh, with some of the system stuff he's doing with yeah. there, I guess. Yeah, we, you know, I I well, I try to help him. Like, you know, a driver will be sitting somewhere, and I'll be close by, and he's like, "Look, can you go, you know, see what's going on if you get a chance?" And yeah, you know, I always do. Never leave a guy hanging. And uh, right. a lot of times, it's just the unit itself. You have to unplug it, plug it back in. You know, almost like uh, turning your, almost like hitting Control Alt Delete yeah. on your computer, and then you know it'll recognize it again. Some of them, I, I mean, the only thing I could tell them to do was unplug it and get it home on paper because, you know, yeah. the truck wouldn't start with the unit plugged in. It would crank all day long, wouldn't start. Unplug the unit, and it'd start. When the when the rep came to our yard from keep trucking and, and they put them in, you know, they're, they're, we, he's got four identical 2009 Peets, all ACERT engines, all, all the exact same specs. He bought them from the fleet. Yeah. And uh, all four trucks, you know, within the first two weeks, it was just one headache after another after another. Finally, they had to send someone back out to reprogram the units. And it's been okay since then. I mean, there have been connectivity issues, 
There have been, you know, some other issues, but a lot of the really bad ones disappeared once they reprogrammed them. Owner-operator Bardsley wonders about the claims of ELD providers who note that, the, that their devices are set up merely to read data coming from the ECM. Some, he says, will actually provide compliance warnings via the truck's dash lights, he says. And if the unit can actually turn the dash lights on and off, some sort of signal is being sent to the engine's computer, he contends. If that's happening, who's to say that what happens when a hacker manages to gain control of the unit? We ultimately got on to a little more of what you heard Bardsley talking about at the top, that elusive brotherhood of the road that seems to have been falling by the wayside over the years, with detrimental impacts ultimately not only on the enjoyment of doing the work, but bedrock safety. Before we get to Jim's prescription for necessary changes in front-end hiring, follow-on training, and, well, the need for many haulers out there to just get a CB already and use it, before that, Bardsley runs through some of his typical, and if there is any typical, really. Halls with small fleet, David Griffith trucking, an agent for Tryon. He's typically pulling step decks and flats. I do a lot of machinery with the step, like the, the I just did two JLG uh, man lifts down to uh, Miami out of Terre Haute for uh, uh, somebody that bought them on Iron Planet, the auction. Hmm. I bought, uh, okay. Yeah, I do a lot of uh, structural steel. Uh, the trip before that took me out to Rapid City, South Dakota, out of uh, Tennessee. And that one, uh, you know, I basically just delivered a bridge for a small county road out there. You know, all they got to oh, do okay. is put it together. <laughs> you know, it was an entire <laughs> bridge. They just, you know, needed some assembly required. Um, sure. So it was, it was small enough to get on one trailer, right? Eh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was yeah, some tiny little roads out there, I'll tell you. But, uh, yeah, it, it's pretty much whatever whatever my customers want. Now, a lot of them are up in Winchester, Kentucky. Uh, you know, they're, they're pretty good-sized companies. I'd rather not name them. It really just depends on what time of year and what part of the freight market uh, is stronger. Now we have vans. We do that. Uh, we do a lot of local work for, uh, uh, a door company there in Corbin. Uh, we do a lot of, uh, uh, God, I'm trying to think of what they call that stuff. Uh, it's like a, I, we call them drain tiles. I guess they're called culverts everywhere else, but, yeah, uh, right, right. Yeah, we do a lot of that where, you know, it, they break them down almost like you would like you would when you haul a Quonset hut, you know, like a metal building. They break them down, and yeah. then you really all you have are a bunch of ribbed metal shapes on your truck, and then you get it to where it's going, and they take it apart. You know, they take it off and assemble it. And, I mean, right. some of these things are just huge. I mean, they're entrances to mine, you know, things like that. Uh, yeah. But we, we uh, like I said, we do a bit of van. We do a, a lot of flatbed and open. You know, we even have a few hot shots, so. And just how to fix that now seemingly ages-old fall-off in, in the camaraderie among members of the Trucking Brotherhood. Here's Bardsley. Man, I just keep trying every day. Hopefully, you know, it's like a virus and spreads. <laughs>
Yeah, if in if in the movies we can uh, you know have a zombie uh, virus that takes over the world in a couple of days, why not a you know trucking brotherhood virus? You know, yep. as an industry, I think the three biggest things we have to do to bring back any kind of honor to to what we're doing, because right now it's just it's almost like McDonald's, you know. There has to be a better hiring process than this get them in a seat quick, cheap, and, and get them rolling as quick as possible type. You know, anything with a heartbeat works. Because, you know, the guys told me years ago, and it, it's held true over the years, this isn't something that just anybody can do because of the extended absences. And, you know, it's it's not exactly... Your, your basic nine to five that anybody can just walk in and boom, you're, you're good to go. Training. These guys, they're, they're, they trained almost like a military model because that's how they were trained. And it works, believe it or not. You know, you, you have to, you have to have actual time behind the wheel with a very knowledgeable trainer someone who you know has been there done that otherwise you know like these guys that six months after they hire on their trainers you know say they get their license in march by october they're a trainer well how are they going to train someone to drive on ice and snow they've never done it but you know that that needs to be addressed and just I don't know whether it's just a different quality of person these days. Maybe it has something to do with this whole, you know, wireless generation. You see something happening in front of you. Warn the guys behind you. You know, you're coming up to a pileup, you know, or something, you you see something happening. Holler back at the guy, you know, pick up the the microphone, Mm -hmm. get it. Even if you get the $29.95... Radio Shack special. Get you a, a a CB and a even if it you know just a cheap antenna, and at least you can hear what's going on around you. Yeah, you know maybe and we can make the these. make the effort. Yeah, make the effort of uh, to yeah. help each other out in these situations. Yeah. You know maybe we could stop some of these eighty, ninety, hundred vehicle pileups that are giving the entire industry a black eye. The public sees this and they're like, what kind of idiots are they hiring? Well, you know, I ask myself that question too. Right. You know, it just, we got to do something to get this back on track. Because the way it is, it's just, it's not going to end well. Think a little behind the wheel. I mean, that, that would be a big thing. Just a little bit of thought. Don't don't just, you know, let the safety systems do their job and you just kind of hang on the steering wheel. You know, actually drive the thing. Pay attention. I mean, this morning, right now, my left front fender's crumpled and my bumper's torn up because somebody was distracted and, you know, they, they changed lanes in a container truck. Well, the problem is <laughs> I was in the lane next to them, the one they changed into. Oh, no. Oh, so, no. you know... Yeah, just before I talked to you, I was on the phone with the insurance people. And, you know, it's just, things like that are just absolutely unnecessary. 
And yeah, it can happen to anybody, but at, at the same time, it shouldn't. You know, if, if you're doing your job, you, it shouldn't it shouldn't happen. You know, but then again, I'm a guy that was taught in AM/FM radio as a distraction, so. Eh. <laughs>